You're listening to the Calm and Cozy Podcast. Practical advice for insomniacs, bedtime thinkers, and people who need one long, deep breath. This is episode 26. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia and stress management coach. I'm also an artist, avid crocheter, expert napper, and pretty sure you and I should have a secret handshake by now. Today's episode is about the connection between sleep and the nervous system, and I think you're gonna like it. I recently had the honor of speaking to Cassandra Carlopio, my Instagram buddy and fellow sleep activist. Cassandra is a meditation teacher and works specifically to help people relax before bed using yoga nidra, deep breathing, and calming techniques. Cassandra and I connected over our mutual appreciation for sleep, and she so graciously offered to record custom meditations for my online group coaching program. I'll tell you more about that later because I want to get right into our conversation. Welcome to Calm and Cozy. Thank you, Beth. I'm so happy to be here. Cassandra is a fellow sleep activist. She's a meditation teacher. She has an album of guided meditations that I'm going to get her to talk about more. She does these monthly deep dive workshops in Santa Monica, which makes me want to live in Santa Monica so I can attend them. But I'm going to let her tell you more about her. Cassandra, if you can give me just like a two minute introduction into the work that you're doing with sleep and meditation, because you'll do a better job than I could. (laughs) (laughs) It's always lovely to hear someone else talk about yourself. Very very happy to share. So currently I'm working in a number of different kind of roles. I'm doing one-on-one work with clients who have specific challenges around sleep, particularly people who have had medical challenges such as sleep apnea or kind of really chronic prolonged insomnia or any issues with breathing. So I've been working one-on-one with people around sleep. In that capacity, um, I teach uh, groups regularly in different drug and alcohol treatment centers. I do work in kind of corporate office environments. And um, I record meditations for apps. And so I'm kind of really in this world of meditation, Um, anything to do with stress, trauma, addiction, and anything to do with sleep. How did you get into the whole world of sleep and meditation? Well, I was really, really lucky that my mom is really into yoga. And when I was really young, I mean, she was into yoga before yoga was really (laughs) a well-known popular thing and meditation. So I have memories of being like, a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, and my mom actually doing a guided meditation for me as I was falling asleep Mm. with really lovely imagery and golden light and all you walking down a garden path. And it was such a soothing thing. And I kind of almost took it for granted until a few years ago where I could really feel how her influence on me early on had a big effect on what I do now. But So long story short, I was really into yoga, really into um, a lot of physical activity, and I was going down um, 
the path of studying psychology in Australia. I went through the bachelor's degree, the honors degree, the master's degree, and started working as a psychologist in private practice. And then I moved to the States in, um, goodness gracious, 2014. And my license as a psychologist didn't transfer from Australia to the United States. So I was like, okay, there's something else that I have to do now. I'm choosing to be here. Um, and I always had loved meditation, but had struggled a little bit with a very active mind. Um, but I found this incredible form of guided meditation called Yoga Nidra. And I fell in love with Yoga Nidra and found it was my way of meditation and my way of accessing a really deeply relaxed state. So then I started, um, I did all the teacher trainings through that through a wonderful institute called the IRS and then started working with people in groups and working with people one-on-one. -on -one. And the feedback I kept getting was, I can't meditate any other way, but how you do it. I can get into this quiet, peaceful place. And so over the last kind of four years, I've really been deepening my own practice and increasing my skill in teaching and guiding other people. So that was kind of, yeah, my path, my kind of windy path through to meditation. Mm, that's so cool. So how is Yoga Nidra different? It definitely falls under the branch of meditation and under the umbrella term of mindfulness, which is really kind of becoming quite popular these days. There's a number of differences, but the, the ones that are most easy to talk about are it focuses on not only just observing your experience, but also teaching your own nervous system how to get into a really relaxed state. So there's kind of an emphasis on not only the inquiry and the um, noticing thoughts and noticing your senses and noting, noticing sensations, but also how to get yourself into a really deeply relaxed state and then resolve from there. You can resolve trauma, you can resolve um, like ingrained patterns, you can unwind stress patterns and there's a lot of kind of integration and healing work that can happen when you're in that deeply relaxed state so it kind of in a nutshell feels like it's a much kind of deeper with a more more of an emphasis on relaxation and integration than just a, a kind of generic uh, mindfulness i like that i need to try yoga nidra <laughs> That just sounds like something I would really like. <laughs> You're a napping advocate as well. I love when I meet someone else who loves a good nap. And there's an art and the science of napping. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can. I would love to. Yes, I love meeting my fellow nap advocates <laughs> because we really need a cultural revolution around napping and around rest. We are not weird for needing to rest. <laughs> no, no, it's this kind of ancient remedy that we've been using for eons. When you're tired or fuzzy in your brain, you take a nap. But right. I find most people fight it. I think that that's the mm. thing that most people do is they, they want one and they need one, but they feel like they shouldn't. Absolutely. What does yeah. a nap look like for you? Do you have like a whole 
routine or can you just sleep anywhere? Or do you like get right into your bed? <laughs> well, I've become, I've trained myself. I used to be very precious about where I would sleep and needed all the conditions to be a certain way. But over the years, my secret for me is actually a eye mask. Okay. I've really associated putting an eye mask on with going into a deep state of relaxation. Mm. So people that know me, I, I literally will have an eye mask on me at all times. <laughs> <laughs> and I will nap now. I mean, if I get to a client early, I'll take a five minute Mm. If I'm working from home, which I'm doing a lot lately, I'll come and do it in my bed. I'll nap in, you know, I'm getting really like stealth about it too. I can do it in a doctor's office. Obviously, if there's other people around, I probably won't put my eye mask on. <laughs> but, but even the act of like going in and taking a moment to rest mm. is something that I've really um, embraced. And I'd love to just backtrack a little bit, mm. a little bit and kind of share with you how sleep came in for me because I'm, I'm relatively new to sleep too. What I found was I was teaching these yoga nidra groups and people would be falling asleep within like five minutes of the meditation <laughs> starting. And then like, okay, there's something going on here. So I started doing a little more research and I began getting asked the question over and over again, will you come into my bedroom and talk me to sleep each night? Because I can't sleep at night, but when you start talking, even if it's in the middle of the day, I'm asleep in like five minutes. It just kept happening. And then almost every new client I would get into a group setting would ask me that question. And it became this kind of joke for mm. the people who had been coming to the groups for a long time. They're like, oh, here's that person asking her that question again. Right. <laughs> so... It got me really curious. Okay, there's something here about the deep relaxation and sleep and that, oh, wow, if we can help people themselves learn how to get their body and their nervous system into a deeply relaxed state and the body's tired, the body's just going to naturally take you into sleep. And it also gives the mind something to focus on because you're listening to someone guide you through the meditation. So it helps with any kind of racing thoughts or future tripping or whatever, you know, is going, goes on for people when they close their eyes. So I was like, oh, wow, this is a really valuable tool for teaching people to sleep properly or not properly, but more teach people to efficiently get into a deeply relaxed state so that they can go to sleep quite quickly. So I just found it was so effective and it was working for so many different people that I um, started to really kind of explore then the relationship between sleep and meditation and found that there's not that many people talking about it. And, and then coming back to the naps, there's like this huge cultural association of napping and resting as weak or um, lazy or unproductive or, um, you know, associated with teenagers and children, you know, right. and it's, it's kind of, it was really surprising to me because I'd always had a deep love of sleep and rest that so many people really struggled with giving themselves permission and changing their kind of belief structure around that. So I found with doing the napping and helping people nap that often doing a guided meditation can really help because you're getting yourself 
into a deeply relaxed state. And even if you're not falling asleep, you're still getting that deep, rejuvenating, um, kind of pressing the reset button, Mm. even if you don't fall asleep at all. And teaching people techniques to get themselves into a relaxed state quickly, but then also coming up against these belief systems that people need to kind of examine about, okay, taking a nap in the afternoon doesn't mean I'm lazy. doesn't, doesn't mean I'm regressing to being five years old again. It actually napping is one of these like untapped resources for so many people around increasing productivity, helping your immune system, um, increasing creativity and problem solving, boosting your mood, I mean, helping with stress and anxiety and memory consolidation. I mean, there's so many incredible things that are happening while we're in a deep state of rest. So I found that that was really important to kind of give people cognitively the permission to rest and permission to nap. And then the science that is actually really a productive thing to do. And often I'll slip in things like, you know, Google and Apple and (laughs) Huffington Post, you know, really promote napping and have nap pods and really shifting the culture around that. And then also coming back to kind of the science of how to get into a nap that leave you feeling refreshed is no more than 20 minutes. Because if you kind of stay longer than 20, 25, 30 minutes, you're kind of pushing it, your body will actually start to go down into a deep stage of sleep. And then if you wake up, you're more likely to feel quite groggy and uncomfortable. And they call that sleep inertia when you're waking up from 45 minutes to an hour into a, into a nap. And people can often feel worse than before they took the nap. So if you limit it to 20 minutes, you're not going all the way down starting a sleep cycle like you would at night. You're just getting to rest in that deeply relaxed state where you can actually feel rejuvenated and alert and creative afterwards. So I just experienced that this morning, actually, where like I had a good sleep last night. And I went for my lash eyelash extension appointment, which is like my one thing that I cannot give up addicted to my eyelashes. (laughs) And during the appointment, you lie down, she has this really cozy, she has like a cot kind of thing and you lie down and, and she gives you a blanket. And she says a lot of people fall asleep. And I thought, well, I don't want to fall asleep because I just woke up. Like my appointment was at 830. And I'd been up for a few hours. But I almost fell asleep and I, that was the closest I've come during an appointment to napping on the table while she's like adding eyelashes to my face. But I got up and I felt like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I should have kept talking because now it took me a while to get out of that. And Mm. I felt that groggy. I felt like I had napped. I have to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm. Um, Because that also the appointments like a little over an hour so it's way too long for me to go back to sleep. So. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. I wanted to also make a comment about the way society thinks about napping. I find that people either like they love naps and they feel like they've met a kindred spirit when they meet another napper or they're people who wish they could nap and are jealous and 
they make fun of nappers like mm. because they can't do it. Like I find that those are the two camps of people that I know. And mm. I've been made fun of my whole life for napping. But a lot of those people who made fun of me when they finally were able to or felt like they had the permission to, they loved it. And then it's like, mm. oh my God, this napping thing. Like I wish I had done this earlier. This is amazing. <laughs> and one of my friends in particular, when I was staying with her, Every day she'd be like, oh, there goes Beth taking her nap. And I was like, yeah, you should try it. And they'd laugh at me. And then she came to me one day and she's like, I just had a nap and it was amazing. <laughs> so every day that I was there for the rest of the time, she would have a nap too. Oh, I love that. You've converted another napper. I know. We're eventually going to get them all. We're going to convert them all over. Yeah. <laughs> going to take a while but we can do it we can what a worthy cause <laughs> That's right. we, we the world needs more well-rested yes happy creative energized people yeah. like, and that really is the main source of like sustainable energy throughout the day is <laughs> what we've been designed to do yeah yeah i realized that when where some people might need like a good cry or something for me it's like I need to go lie down because when I wake up, I can go into like problem solving mode. Mm -hmm. So when something's bothering me or something happens that's upsetting, my first instinct is I just need to go lie down. Oh, it's yeah. kind of like my way of like, I need to work it out. I need to go lie down and let my brain figure this out while I'm, while I'm resting. So that, and then I get up and I feel like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm recharged. That's so great. I, it's something I, I mention a lot to people that I'm working with is don't believe thoughts that come from a sleep deprived or a tired brain because the quality of your thoughts when you're exhausted, the quality is going to be so poor. You're not going to be able to see solutions or solve problems in any real meaningful way. You're just going to keep doing the same things, thinking the same thoughts. But if you kind of go in and you rest and you recharge yourself, the quality of your thoughts and your ability to think clearly and solve problems and be creative is going to be so much greater after a nap. It's like really use, use the power of a nap to improve the quality of your thinking and then that in turn changes how we approach everything. Yes. I love, love that you're doing that. <laughs> I usually feel like I really have no choice. Like my body mm. just, just all of a sudden I hit a wall and it, and I go, I need to go lie down now. And everyone close to me in my life knows like, oh, okay, yep, turn up time now. Like, <laughs> we'll see you in, you know, see you in a bit. And I have who would be like my closest girlfriend that I've known since I was, I think, 11. Um, we actually, when we get together, we always nap when mm. we're together. Because we both at the same time are like, I could really use a nap right now. Which is, Me too. All right, let's let's go find adjoining couches. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do that every time we see each other. And I'm going to see her this weekend, and we'll be napping definitely. You'll be napping. I love That's that. part of what we do when we get together is we nap. That's so, the sign of a good friend. Yes, it is. Um, what else can you tell me? I would love to know if I were to take a yoga nidra class. Like someone who's listening who says, I think they have one of those. I saw that there's one local. To, like, what would a class be like? 
Great question. Yeah. Really good question. So yoga nidra is becoming more widely available, which okay. I'm so happy about. <laughs> Three years ago, people would ask me, what do you do? And I say, oh, I teach yoga nidra. And they're like, yoga ninja? What? <laughs> what do you think to me? And now when I answer that question the same way, people are like, oh, I heard about yoga nidra. Or, oh, my friend just did that. Or my, or my mom wants to try that. Or, which is so heartening for me that it's starting to become more like, accessible to people. But it generally involves getting to lie down which people <gasps> love i'm in <laughs> that was the, that was the that was the thing that opened the door for me i was like hey, you gotta sit down and a lie down sorry and put a bolster under your knees a pillow under your head and a blanket <laughs> like yeah, i can i can get behind that and i mean you can do it seated and you can do it standing up you can do it however <laughs> however you want to do it but i would lie down you would lie down yeah <laughs> most people do that and then you kind of get guided through opening your senses, so becoming aware of sounds, smells, taste, touch, things that you can see, and then get led down even deeper into sensing the breath, going through sensing the body, becoming aware of um, different emotions, becoming aware of thoughts, and then essentially in, in kind of a nutshell, coming to rest down into the kind of center of your being and the part of yourself that doesn't need anything to be different, the part of you that's always been whole, the part of you that doesn't need changing, doesn't need fixing, the part of you that always has been okay and always will be okay, and just really accessing a deep sense of serenity, a deep sense of well-being and peace. The, the beautiful thing about how I was trained is there's no real um, imposed imagery or anything kind of religious or spiritual imposed. So people can bring their own meaning to the meditation. Like I have, I, I work with clients who are completely, complete atheists, mm -hmm. people who are so into science and logic. And I have people who are, have been practicing yoga for 30 years people from every faith. Mm. It's a very kind of secular experience that people bring their own meaning to, which I love. And they generally go for about 30 minutes, the meditation. Yeah, so you go in, you get comfortable, you do an inner journey, and then you come back out recharged, or as my friend um, Darren likes to say, dipped in honey. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I love the um, bringing your, your own beliefs into it, mm. especially too, because I come from a church upbringing and I was just always told that like, we don't do yoga and meditation because it's kind of rooted in, you know, another religion. Mm -hmm. And like, really when I went off to college and started, like, I guess I've always had a little bit of the rebellious side, like liberal kind of Christian in me who was like, well, I want to see what it is about this that people don't like. Mm. And went to a yoga class and went, yeah, that was like stretching and breathing for an hour. I don't really understand why I'm not supposed to do that. Mm. And 
took me longer to get into meditation just because I, I thought it looked boring. I thought that it was like, okay, sitting and breathing, how does that benefit me? Mm. And then when I tried it, especially like surrounding sleep and went, oh my gosh, this like really was the biggest thing that works for me still mm. for sleep is like refocusing because my mind still races if I, if I let it. So mm. refocusing on my breath, but definitely I still find that people that I've known who have the Christian beliefs or who have another belief system who are like, oh yeah, I, that's not really for me. I'm mm. of this faith. And I'm like, mm. I know, but <laughs> it's something you do. Like it's something you can add your own beliefs to or your own faith to, which is so beautiful. You can pray while you do this. It really is like a personal experience. Yeah. I would yeah. love your class. One thing that I've really been getting excited about is helping people who have associated sleep with stress or sleep with even trauma because a lot of my clients now have or had like sleep apnea where when they go to sleep their airway narrows and they actually can't breathe properly and aren't getting enough oxygen and have you know wake up with their heart racing and sweating or um, just wake up in the morning feeling completely exhausted because they haven't slept well throughout the night because they haven't been breathing properly throughout the night so i've been working with people who have Got undergone the full treatment for sleep apnea and are cured essentially of sleep apnea, but still have associated sleep with this danger basically of not getting enough oxygen. So it doesn't matter now that their airways are clear and they're breathing properly, their body and their nervous system is still responding like they can't breathe. And it's really got me going down this rabbit hole of looking at our nervous system. So we have sympathetic, which is the fight or flight, and then the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest part of our autonomic nervous system. And basically, a short version, the fight or flight is what kicks into gear when there's a threat. So if there's a tiger chasing you, our body goes into fight or flight. So you can either fight or flee. Generally, if we're being chased by a big cat, we're going to flee. So we run. Flee the cat. Flee the big (laughs) cat, yeah. Our body goes into a particular state, so we're strong. Our blood goes to our muscles. Our digestion shuts down. And basically, our body is in survival mode. And then what's supposed to happen is when the threat goes away and everything's safe, our body's meant to go back into what's known as the rest and digest state where your digestion comes back online, your heart rate slows down and you're in this calm, wonderful state. But what seems to happen is even just generally for people, we live such stressful lives these days. We're thinking about work and we're thinking about bills and we're thinking about other people and worried about this and worried about that, which is basically putting our body and our nervous system into a constant state or spending a lot more time in the fight or flight state than we would have normally Hmm. or even back a hundred years ago. So when people are in a fight or flight state, their body won't let them go into a proper deep sleep because 
your body's in survival mode and your body thinks there's potentially a tiger circling the camp or, you know, that some neighboring tribe is going to rush in and take, take you and, you know, the women and the children kind of a thing. So your body wants to wake up at the, like the, at any little sound or any little movement or any little disturbance. So that means you can't go and stay much time in that deep sleep. So your body is actually just trying to protect you, but we don't realize that this is what's going on. So people are in fight or flight and then have a hard time sleeping. They're pretty tired the next day. So what do they do? Then they go for an energy drink or caffeine, which further actually stimulates the fight or flight system. So people are putting themselves into this vicious cycle of being in this stressed fight or flight state. So all their body is doing is trying to keep them safe by not letting them get into a deep sleep at night. So never mind someone who's actually had a real threat of sleeping at night or had any experience of trauma around bedtime or any issue with a breathing or a sleep disorder. Their body really quickly learns, okay, sleep isn't a safe thing for me. And this is not conscious. It's on a body kind of nervous system level goes, okay, they're in a real stressed state. I've got to make sure I can wake up at any moment because there's a potential threat. So I'm really excited about kind of sharing this and helping people learn how to tell their body, actually, it's safe for me to sleep now. Mm. There's no threat. My airways are open. I'm getting enough oxygen. There's no tiger circling the camp. Like It's safe for me to sleep. And then doing that, not just at like a conscious cognitive level, but doing that at the body and the nervous system level so that the body goes, oh, okay, it's safe for me to relax deeply and let this person go into a deep sleep. Wow, that's so interesting. It reminds me of, and I think I just talked about this on my last episode about sleeping positions. And I was kind of like, I wanted to tell you about this, but I don't think it's something to worry about is that our our brain prefers to, to sleep with our dominant side up mm. in case of a sneak attack from you know, <laughs> a wild animal in the middle of the night, our strongest limbs will be able to fight off danger. And it's such oh. an ancient theory. Wow. Like you think, okay, sneak attacks from wild animals in the middle of the night are quite rare. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> please like, don't take that on as an extra stressor. But it, it's so interesting how our bodies think that. Like I was not alive in those times when a tiger would have attacked. But, <laughs> but it's it, for our bodies to still function that way is so interesting. Yeah, well, if, if you really think about it, you know, we've evolved as a species, mm. the bodies that didn't wake up in a threat didn't survive. <laughs> so we've evolved with a sensitive nervous system to perceiving threats and our environment has actually evolved much quicker than our physiology and our brain and our nervous system. So in one sense, our kind of the lower part of our brain and our nervous system functions within a very different context than what we actually live in. Mm. So it's really, yeah, really interesting when we start to get down into it that 
it makes sense that sleeping on one side with your dominant side up would actually send a signal of safety to your nervous system. Yeah, I've got my mean right hook like at the ready. (laughs) So I'm good. I can fall asleep now. Yeah. It took me a, a little bit of time to get used to sleeping on my back now too was I felt vulnerable like I feel like I'm just out in the open yeah but it's funny because I'm just in my house and like thankfully my house is very safe you know and it's like I'm loved and safe here safe here but for some reason sleeping on my on my back just felt like "Eh, I'm exposed (laughs) even though I'm under my like pull the blankets up to my chin so that I'm protected yeah yeah that works the wild thing is you cannot logic you know like you can logic your brain but you cannot logic your nervous system it doesn't matter how many times you say to it hey i'm safe we live in a great neighborhood we have locks on the doors you know so on and so forth the nervous system is a whole different animal for lack of a better word you know it's very instinctual and completely orientated towards survival so learning different techniques that help teach your nervous system like hey you're safe it's safe to go into a relaxed state are so helpful Mm. for people a lot of people who have trouble sleeping or who have associated real danger with Mm. sleeping that's so great that you're doing that that you're working with people like that yeah i really am on a on a mission similar to yourself i'm like on a mission to help people get better sleep and better quality of relaxation so yeah on my website there's um a free download for a guided meditation for sleep. Mm. I have a YouTube channel that you can also find via my website where I have a bunch of different guided meditations, some for sleep, some power nap ones that a lot of people really like, and then some for a whole bunch of other different things. And I am on a few apps that I love for meditation. There's Insight Timer, which is a really wonderful free meditation app that has so many different teachers and options on it. And then another great app called Aura. And I have a whole channel on Aura, but all of that information's on my on my website. And then if you're in Santa Monica and you want to come to our monthly deep dive. The information for that is also on my on the front page of my website. And then I am so happy to be able to work with people one-on-one. And I do that through Zoom. So I can do that with anyone anywhere in the world. You can send me an email if you're interested in that. Or I have a link that's on my kind of contact page that you can schedule a 20-minute phone call with me to kind of check in and see if we're a good fit. That's a good idea. People should do that. CassandraCarlopio.com. And yes. it's, it's spelled like it sounds. Yes. Carlopio. C-A-R-L-O-P-I-O. Yes. Is there anything else? I don't want to cut you off if you still have something that you're like, I want to make sure people know this. Well, Is there anything I didn't ask you about that I should have? <laughs> well, I would love to give people just like two or three techniques that they can try while they're falling asleep to help get into a relaxed state please do so in addition to all of the really important kind of sleep hygiene things that i think is so important um, when you actually get into bed there are a few meditative techniques that you can do 
And one that I'm loving at the moment is each time you feel your body exhale, so you feel your breath go out, it's just like let your body sink into the bed. It's just, it's such a, a lovely kind of comforting thing to do and it's sending signals to your nervous system to relax and then it's safe to relax just exhaling and letting your body sink into the bed the other one that is so it's it's a little challenging sometimes to get it at the beginning but once you get this one it can be a game changer is letting your eyes rest a lot of people myself included, hold a significant amount of tension around our eyes without really even being aware of it. So if you're lying on your back, this also works if you're sitting up or on your side, but you can really feel it when you're on your back. If you just let your eyes sink down into the back of your head, it can be a little funny at the beginning, but you just let your eyes rest or sink or um, float in your eye socket. I mean, I'm getting really relaxed just doing it right now. <laughs> With practice, okay. it really helps unwind tension patterns from your forehead and mm. from your jaw and from your whole face. And again, sends signals to your brain and to your nervous system that it's safe to really relax. So... I use that one all the time falling asleep or during the day or if I'm going to take a nap, I do that one. And then another kind of nice simple one is just to put your hand on your belly and just focus on feeling how your belly kind of rises and then releases each time you breathe. And all of those different techniques have the added kind of benefit of they give your attention something to focus on. So you're not so focused on your thoughts or what bothered you about the day. It really helps give your attention something to anchor onto as well as send signals to your body that it's time to relax. It's safe to relax and then drift into sleep. Oh, thank you for that. I'm going to work on that eye one. I haven't done that before. I love the sinking into the bed because it actually does feel like you're sinking into the bed Mm. and it feels like I have a waterbed when I do that. I think I always secretly wanted a waterbed, Um, (laughs) but yeah, I'll have to work on, on the eye thing. And it seems like when you're focused on relaxing something, then you have a hard time relaxing it. (laughs) Exactly. That's (laughs) that's too much attention to it. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I say words like rest or float Mm. the eyes. So you're not like if you try to relax, exactly like you said, it can often create (laughs) more tension. But if you just let your eyes rest or let your eyes sink or let your eyes float, it has a different connotation. I'll have to work on that one. I'll let you know how it goes. Please do. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of this goodness. I think everyone's going to love it. You're Lots so of welcome. good information. My last question. I want to know, what would be your favorite part of your evening ritual? Oh, my favorite part. Actually, my favorite part is getting into bed. <laughs> nice. I, have, I love my bed so much. <laughs> I have 
really like lovely, delicious, organic bamboo type sheets that are really soft. And I have this beautiful linen um, duvet cover and I diffuse lavender and essential oil throughout the room. So it smells good. It feels good. And I always keep, I have very low light on in the room at night. So, I mean, the whole, as soon as I get into the bedroom, it's just such a, I guess, this overwhelming sense of like, yay, I'm good to go to bed. <laughs> so, and then finally getting into bed and getting like the pillows just right. And then again, just like sinking down to the bed. Oh. I would say a happy sigh. Yeah. Happy <laughs> sigh when you get into bed because I do. Exactly. Yeah. Every night. I, was, oh, I love my bed I actually yeah. say that as well I love yeah. my bed oh and the eye pillar I, I mean and I, yes I, mask. I yeah. use an eye mask at night as well and that just again then the light goes out and the world yeah. goes away Beautiful. sometimes I'll put in earplugs too and then all of the sound goes away earplugs are part of mine and I can hear the breathing and it's like a white noise machine and it's like okay I'm gone now <laughs> Goodbye, world. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. See you in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you again. And everyone, make sure you go to CassandraCarlobio.com to get all of her awesome stuff and look into Ease Into Sleep, oh. your guided meditation album. And Cassandra's on Spotify I as well. So yeah. you can access all of those. An enormous thank you to Cassandra for joining me in this episode. I had a great time chatting about the nervous system and, of course, about napping. Make sure to check out her sleep meditations on her website, CassandraCarlopio.com, and then find her on Instagram as well. I want to take a minute, just sit right there. No, really, I want to tell you about my program. If you haven't already heard, I published an ebook recently called Fall Asleep Tonight. Well, in addition to being an ebook, and soon an audiobook, Fall Asleep Tonight also has its own group coaching program. This program is for readers who want to go deeper, are looking for support, community, and coaching while they work to implement the techniques in my book. There's a private Facebook group where I'll be showing up live for coaching. I'll be in the group every day answering your questions, as well as interviewing other professionals in the wellness industry for their valuable sleep-related advice. The part I can't wait to tell you about is the four meditations that Cassandra has created exclusively for members of the Fall Asleep Tonight program. They can be listened to as bedtime's approaching and even in bed to calm racing thoughts and put you in a state of deep relaxation, which is what Cassandra does best. I'm so grateful to her for creating these for you because it was an element that I really wanted to include in the program, but I'm not a professional meditation teacher, and I didn't want you giggling through the entire thing because they were so awful. For more information about the Fall Asleep Tonight group coaching program, go to BethWyattCoaching.com and click on the coaching link. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Until next time, sleep well and stay cozy. And to my mom, who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep, good night, mama. <laughs>